A few weeks ago, I, I read an article <clears throat> um, that was talking about the church, and the gist of the article was that church as we know it is over with, and uh, that to reach young people, there has to be a change. And the guy was really trying to say that we need to become an all-digital church. We need to be able to, for people to come, go to church via the Internet, and people need to be, be a part of a church, watch sermons on TV. And, uh, and then a few days later, there was a guy who wrote an article sort of answering the first article. And um, the second guy for my part, majored a little too much on Sunday morning, just going to church on Sunday morning. And, but yet he, he, he struck something that, that was my thought when I was reading the first article. My thought was, fella, you're missing the whole boat when you leave out community. You can't be a community if, if you're watching on a screen. Um, you know, thank God that we have those provisions when we can't be somewhere or there's someone we want to see or hear. Uh, thank God we have technology and those things, but you can't replace community. You can't replace uh, being a part of something. We certainly know that church is not just a building. And church is certainly not just a place to go. It certainly isn't limited to an organization that certainly helps a lot of folks at this time of year to be a 501c3 tax deductible. That hurt, that helps, but that's not what a church really is. I remember as a small child in the Methodist Church, United Methodist Church, um, that the pastor, and we got one every two years, so I couldn't remember which one it was. <laughs> but he said, and you know, as a small child, it perked me up, and I'd never forgotten. And he said something just at that time, which was just this, huge truth that now we take for granted, and that is that the church is not the building, it's the people. And I went, what, uh, why does everybody always say we're going down to the church? And, I, you know, as a kid, I said, well, that's okay. Anyway, that stuck with me. As I read these two articles, one of them stated that one of the problems in our culture is that pastors, it's news to me, but pastors don't want to talk about church. They don't want to talk about being a community. They don't want to, they want to do whatever it takes to fill a building. They want to do whatever it takes to, to, uh, draw a crowd. And, uh, so anyway, it, I just felt like in, in, uh, reading and praying, I felt like it was time for us to once again talk about the church. And so I'm starting a new series today and I, I have no idea how long it's going to last. Uh, Don and Jim and I were in a worship seminar a few years ago, a number of years ago, and we were in a session with a, the, the host pastor, and he showed us how that he went off once a year by himself somewhere, and he planned every sermon for the year. He took out a big chart, and he wrote, he, he determined every sermon for the whole year. And I'm going, I, I'm not that smart. I mean, I can't hear God 52 weeks in advance. I'm glad he can so I really don't know when this is going, but I, but I know that before we're done, we're going to talk about, uh, the church. We're going to talk about, uh, members of one another. We're going to talk about, uh, the dynamic of fellowship in the community of God. 
we're at some point we're going to talk about the gifts that God gives His church and what and how each one of us operate in that area. And and beyond that, I don't know, and I don't even know what order. But anyway, I do know what we're going to do today. Everybody okay with that? I put that on my calendar. I still have fifty-one blanks. But anyway. The title that I've given this series, and you'll see why in a few moments, is The Church, Which is His Body. In some ways, an elementary truth, and yet something that we sometimes forget. Today's message we have titled, This Exceedingly Great Army. This Exceedingly Great Army. Now, I'll come back to that. What we want to do today is we want to understand the role of the church in extending the kingdom of God in the earth. Our role is the church. And, of course, most of today's message will be dealing with the church universal, the church as a whole, uh, not the local church. I'll mention the local church later. We also want to embrace the truth and be reminded of the truth that he is the head and we are the body. You say, well, that's old. I learned that in Sunday school. Well, we're learning it again. Because we need to be, we need to make sure that we have a clear picture in our mind that his church is his body and he is the head. We are not a headless body. And we are also not a body who governs ourselves. We are governed by the head, capital H, who is Lord, the Lord Jesus. And we want to take a look at uh, the dynamic assembly of his church. This the, this church that he has formed and is forming in his building is such a dynamic entity that we have to take a, just a, a look at it in a little while. We will begin today by looking at Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to turn and then in a little while I'm going to ask you to turn to Ezekiel 37. Those will be the only two passages that I'll ask you to turn to. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 we're going to start reading at verse 15 and uh, end up at verse 23. If, um, if you would stand with me while we read the Word of God, I'm again reading from the English Standard Version, which reads, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and then he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, say all things, under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You may be seated. Yeah, that's what I say. 
Okay. We, we talk here this about the fullness of Christ. But we, we have to, again, reiterate that this passage gives us, again, the truth that he is the head over the church. Now, uh, the body, our bodies, we need our heads. You know, the, again, y'all, I spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> Profundity to the max, but... Without our heads, our bodies will not function. Without the head of the body of Christ, we cannot function or we just flail around aimlessly and without meaning. The church, the, the, the Jesus is head over all things to the church. He re, Paul repeats himself in Colossians when he said he is the head of the body, the church. The church is his body. And that, you say, well, you sure are repeating that a lot. I want us to get it. And I want us to understand that there's a function of the body. There's a function of his body. We're not just sitting around idle waiting for him to come get us and take us to heaven. We have a function as his body, just like our body has a function as it's connected to our heads. And we as his church, we've got to see ourselves as a collective of people who have a function. And we function at the bidding of our Lord. He says here that the church is the fullness of him. The church is the fullness of Christ who fills all in all. Now, I'm not submitting to you today that Jesus as a person needs his church so that he can be completed. Jesus needs nothing or no one. Uh, I've repeated recently or the late Ern Baxter who used to say that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are a sweet society all to themselves. And yet there is a fullness that the church is. There is a completeness that comes. Or, or even some, some people have used the word compliment. We compliment Christ. Better word would be fulfillment of mission. Or that we, the church, Fill all creation as Christ's ambassadors, as he fills the church. We are here on the earth. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and intercession for me. He's sitting there as the head, governing his church. We, his body, are on the earth, at least for a time. We're on the earth, and we are representatives, not only representatives of Jesus Christ, we carry his Holy Spirit in us and we go about doing his work. Doing what he did. Only by his, by the power of his spirit. And yet he said, greater things are you going to do than I did. Because we are his church. And we are the fulfillment of his mission. There would be no fulfillment of his mission in the earth if it wasn't for his church. When Jesus was on the earth, he purposely limited himself. to He was a human being. He was in one place at one time. When Now, he's, 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 as God is omnipotent and omnipresent, Jesus on the earth was not either. He functioned by the power of the Holy Spirit. We just read that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that, even rose, that he rose from the dead. Stay with me. 
Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 20. We are ambassadors, say ambassadors, for Christ, God making his appeal through us. You know the, you know the story. You're, you're a nation. You're, you send someone as an ambassador to another country to represent you, to speak in, on your behalf, to present your message to that, company, that country. You're in the embassy, and it's the same way you and I, when we were born again by the Spirit of God, when we were born from above by the Spirit of God, we became his ambassadors here on the earth. Don't forget, we're living in a foreign country. Now, I know that it gets more and more like that every day in the news. But we really live in a foreign country because our citizenship is in heaven, not on earth. We are we live here, and we're told in the Bible to act like we're from here and act like we're citizens of here and to per- participate in, in life here. But ultimately, our real citizenship is in heaven. And we're here as emissaries and ambassadors from heaven on the earth doing his work, presenting his message, and representing him in the earth. That's what the church does. Sad to say, sometimes we don't do it so well. Now, Jesus is the architect and the builder of this church. Not this church, but his church. Well, this one too, but... We're talking about the church universal. He's the architect. He was sitting around with some of his disciples one day, and he said to them, who, who do those folks out there say that I am? What are they saying about me? And, of course, they all spoke up. One said Elijah. And one, they had all kind of ideas about what, what people were saying about who Jesus was. And then he said, who do you say that I am? I would have loved to have been there. You know, the Bible says it in such a, reads in such a way that we think that uh, as soon as the words are out of his mouth, Peter's opened his, that may be true. But I got a feeling some of those other disciples started looking around going, now who's going to answer that one? Because they didn't know. They didn't have a clue. But the Father, by his Holy Spirit, had revealed to Peter something that Jesus told him, I know you, I know you so well, that I know you didn't figure that out on your own. I don't know how encouraging that was to Peter, but he said, you didn't get that on your own. My father has revealed it to you, but Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, you're right. That's who I am. And then he goes on to say this, make this statement in Matthew 16, 18. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail Against it. I will build my church. The gates of hell. Will not prevail against it. It it reminds us that he does the building. People say well. What is your emphasis as a church? What is your emphasis as a pastor? And I said I don't think it's my job to grow the church. I don't think it's my job to build the church. I think it's my job to extend the kingdom of God into the earth and let God, let Jesus Christ, build his church. Acts chapter 2, God, God, everybody say God, God, added to the church daily those who were being saved. Who added? It wasn't me. wasn't the preacher. God added. Uh, we want God to add, and we believe God does add, and he has added, and he will continue to add. But our mission... <laughs> 
is not to, to, well, anyway, our mission is to extend the kingdom of God into the earth one person at a time. He does the building because it is his church. And every pastor needs to be reminded of this sometimes. And sometimes we do too because people get in squabbles over the color of the carpet. And I saw a, a, an argument one night in a business meeting. We used to love Wednesday night business meetings in the Baptist church. Not picking on the Baptist church, but I got papers back there on my wall that say Baptist on them so I can talk about them. Uh, over what color we were going to paint the pump house out behind the church. I thought these guys were going to go outside and go to blows. Over the color of the pump house. Because it's not our church. It's not our church building. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that because we act like it is. And we say it's his church. Church is a community of believers who follow Christ. A community of believers. Now you see we hadn't said anything at all about going to a meeting. I believe in meetings or I wouldn't be here today. If I didn't believe in meetings, I'd be on a golf course or something. Well, none of our church members are on a golf course this morning. Or if they are, I hope they're shooting well. A community. Everybody say community. community. Of believers who follow Christ. The definition is a word or the word there for church is ecclesia. Once it's a word you've probably never used in your life and never will. Ecclesia, is, it means the called out ones assembled into a functional organic body for the purpose of being earthly rulers under the authority of the head of the church, Jesus our Lord. Ecclesia. It, it's a, it's a, a this the called out, called out of what? Called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Called out of sin into righteousness. Called out of a life of darkness into light. But not just called out, called into something. What are we called into? Fellowship with the Lord Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And fellowship with one another. We're the called out ones who are assembled together. Yes, it's good that we assemble on, in some occasion like this, it's, it's good that we do this. If we think this is the be-all, end-all of what church is, we have missed such a great blessing. This is a great blessing, by the way. I'm glad y'all showed up this morning. And I think I told y'all I did preach one time to one man, my wife, and our oldest son who was a baby. That was it. I did it, though. I was 20 years old and didn't know any better. I'm glad we do this, but this is not all that church is. But we're assembled together as, as a community and as a body of people so that we function as an organic. Say organic. organic. Therein lies the key. Sometimes we major too much on the organization and we miss the organic. The body of Christ is organic. It's living. It's, a, it's living people, living stones, so to speak, who have been joined together. We're called out 
and were assembled. And Jesus, in, in speaking of his church, said, Now the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not prevail. They will not overcome or prevail against Jesus and his church. Sometimes we think the church is done. Jesus disagrees. He said, no matter what it looks like, my church. Now, if we have, if we have built a church, if mankind has built a church on man's principles and we're trying to hold it get, together as mankind, that might falter. But Jesus' church will not be brought down by the gates of hell. The, the power of death or the power of the devil will not prevail against his church. The power of the devil will not overpower his church or put it or keep it in subjection. He has no place in God's church. Jesus promised that. By the way, gates, if you notice this, gates don't move. Gates are not offensive. Gates oppose. Gates try to limit access. And Jesus said, when you come up against that opposition, it will not prevail. It's not going to keep you back from what I want you to do. And so he's building his church. He started then, he's still building, and he will build until that day comes. And his church, his followers, we are his construction workers. Instead of giving everybody a hard hat today. We are his construction workers. Probably in this series we'll do a a message on boots on the ground. His church is boots on the ground. But we're the ones that are doing the bidding. And we're the ones that he says to us, you go and do the work, bring people into my kingdom. Luke 14, he tells a parable about a guy who says, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. It's obviously a parallel parable of himself. He, and he, some people have changed that to by highways and byways because it sounds good in a song. But anyway, go out and compel people, not force them. Not not uh, intimidate them, but persuade them to come into my house. So you and I have been given the mission as the church, as construction workers. We're to, we're going out and we're bringing people in to his house that it may be filled. And once it's filled, he's going to fill it again. Oh, I sounded southern then. I guess that's because I'm from the south. <laughs> Spent a week in Panama City or a few days and it ruined me. Peter writes, you are living stones. Everybody say living stones. Living Everybody who's living, raise your hand. Now, some of you, I'm going to have to pray for you. I can see that right now. <laughs> you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual house or temple. You're living stones. What is Jesus using as building blocks to build his church? People. <laughs> Y'all ever see that little thing when the kids do? This is the house, whatever. This is the steeple. And this is the people. Somehow it ends up with this is the people. <laughs> I paid attention. We're, we're his construction workers. We're his living stones. We are what he is using to build this, this spiritual house. Boy, there's so much here. This is my problem today. There's so much here that I'm having to watch myself that I don't go down another another lane. 
He's building. And he will continue to build his church. Now, if, if, you, if you haven't already, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. We'll finish up here. Um, Ezekiel 37. Some of you are familiar with this story, uh, this vision. And some of you, this will be the first time you've ever seen it. And either way, that's a good thing. Ezekiel 37 uh, and verse 1. It's called the vision of the valley of dry bones. Verse 1 says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And I love that reply. You know, he says, uh, can these bones live? Well, uh, well, uh, 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 when it, you, you know, you know, he wasn't going to say, I wouldn't have either. He's oh Lord God, you know, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and call, will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold a rattling. Probably in the Hebrew, that's more like an earthquake. And the bones came together bone to his bone. And I looked Behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and, the, and wouldn't it be good if we all obeyed God the way he did? And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet. And the title of our message today, An Exceedingly Great Army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Remember that Israel is always a type of the church. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. And that was fulfilled, by the way, in the natural then you shall know that I am the Lord I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. A great vision of these dry bones. I mean, you know, if God would have picked me up by the Holy Spirit and set me down somewhere, and I'm standing in a valley full of dry bones, I'd have said, Lord, is this a twilight zone show? What in the world are we doing with all these bones? And obviously we know from the story they weren't together. They were just a bunch of bones laying around. I started looking when I created the slide for the Facebook page. I started looking to try to put a picture on the slide. And everyone I went to, it was man, it was gruesome. It was gruesome. All these dry bones and skulls and all this stuff. I said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to look at it. And I don't want to ask anybody else to look at it. You just have to use your imagination. Valley of dry bones. 
We learn from this story that God has always been in the assembly business. God's always been a creator. The first thing we, the first characteristic we see of God in the Bible is one who's a creator, putting things together, assembling things. He assembled the universe. He assembled the earth. He assembled people. He assembled plants, animals, and so forth and so forth. Everything that is God assembled and put those things together. And he had a definite plan as to how he wanted those bones to go together. Definite plan. And I want to tell you that when, as Jesus is building his church, it's not haphazard. He's not sitting there wondering who's coming in to my kingdom next and how am I going to build this church? Who's, what's the next building block and how am I going to reign? No, he knows already what before the begin, from the beginning to the end. He knows who's coming in. And he has a definite plan for how he's building his church and how he's putting things together. He's, he has a definite plan, and we're involved in that. Uh, here's an interesting truth. They were not an army until the breath of God entered them. We, we can put various kinds of seemingly good projects together. We can, we can put various kinds of projects together. We can put various kinds of people together. We can put various kinds of gatherings together. But without the breath of God, it's just the gathering. You know, you've heard me say that without God's, without God and His Holy Spirit and putting us together, then this is nothing more than a club, a religious club. I'm not a member of very many clubs. Y'all probably know the one club that I'm a member of. Is the Andy Griffith Show rerun Watchers Club? <laughs> there is a an Andy Griffith Show rerun Watchers Club. Beyond that, I use a golf club occasionally, but that's the closest we get. I don't use it very well, but I use it. We can do all of that, but un, until the Spirit of God gets involved, they who labor labor in vain. You can, you can, you can rent a meeting room and you can gather some people together and you can put some music on, but unless God's involved, it's just a club. I don't want to be part of a club. Well, not big time club. He ends up by saying they're going to settle in their own land. And as I mentioned, Israel obviously did. But we're also looking at a parallel lesson here regarding the church. He desires to settle us in our own land. What I mean by that is that each person and each local church has their sphere of responsibility and influence that God expects us to bring the kingdom into. And this is where we delineate from the larger church and we talk about the local church and you know that on your bulletin it says we are a local expression of the church in Middle Tennessee. We recognize that we are not the church in Middle Tennessee. We definitely are not the only church in Middle Tennessee. And so I recognize that each local body has its own personality, has its own emphasis, in many, many ways has its own gifting, has its own um, um, perspective, and we all function together. The church down the street reaches people we'll never reach. 
We reach people they'll never reach. We get together with our brothers from everyone's Wilson. There's 25 or 30 of us. We're all different. Not only in color of our skin, but the, the way we think. Doctrinally, we some of us would have deep, deep disagreements doctrinally. But no doctrines that would make a difference in how we work together. Because he's building his church and he's building it diverse. Because we are diverse people. And because someone down the street does something a certain way doesn't mean that we need necessarily to do that. It's always good to get ideas and it's good to see if, you know, if God would honor something. But just because something works there doesn't mean it's going to work here and vice versa. Hmm. He wants to bring us into our own land, the body of Christ, his body. Jesus arrived on the scene, and you read this in Mark 1, but he arrived on the scene proclaiming the kingdom of God. And later on he said, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom. And included in that is the good news that Jesus Christ has come. And the good news that he did come live as a human being. Live for 33 or 33 and a half years on this earth as one of us. And that he did in obedience to his father. He did go to a cross. And he did die on that cross. He was not unconscious and he was not in a coma. He was dead. There was no life in his body. And he did receive the power of God through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you and I have the same Holy Spirit in us, say in in me, that raised Jesus from the dead. Same. Everybody say same. Same spirit. Not a different one. Not a, not a slighter one. Not a smaller one. We have the same Holy Spirit in us if we've been born again and by the Spirit of God. If we've been born from above and we're God's child, we have the same Spirit in us that quickened that body laying in that tomb that was dead just as dead as my daddy laying in the graveyard in Panama City, Florida. So he's, he's still there, or his body is. He's not. He was dead, but the body began to move, and he got up, and he walked out of that place. We're not that far away from Easter, so I'll back off of that a little bit. But that's the kingdom of God. He, he arrived proclaiming the kingdom of God is now near. Why was it near? Because he was here. He had come. Which is why he could pray. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. Just like it's being done in heaven. Because he was here. He was on the earth. And he, he put something into motion that is still motioning today. And that is... God's kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, comes to the earth. Doesn't just It's not a cloud that's roaming around the earth. It's infecting people. It's infecting lives for the kingdom of God. It's now near. And then he began assembling his church so that we could spread the good news of this kingdom. 
He said, I'm going to build my church. Hell's, hell's not going to prevail against it. And now he said, now when, when, I, when he was leaving, you go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe those things which I've taught you to observe. That's the kingdom of God. And every time that happens, his church grows. Every time we give the, the seed to someone, then the church, the kingdom of God adds a subject. Every time that happens, another living stone comes to life and becomes part of the structure in the spirit realm. Spreading the good news. Thus, his church serves by extending the kingdom of God into the hearts of mankind in the earth. It's all about hearts, and it's all about changed lives. People say, how's your church doing? I said, people's lives are being changed. People's, you know, someone, <laughs> I'll not do this. An unnamed pastor friend that I talked to sometime recently, in the last few weeks, we were talking about something, and he said, yeah, we were off 23% yesterday, and I won't. You, you count every Sunday and you do the percentages? I said, we don't, we never count. I never counted. I mean, I'm glad you're here, but I'm not going to go around counting heads. Well, you know, that's their, that's their world and this is our world. But anyway, the church serves by extending the kingdom of God to people. So everybody say people. Hearts. Hearts are changed. If hearts are not changed, we need to get out of the business. If we're just having good meetings and singing good songs and taking up money and doing good works in the community, then we need to get out of the business. But all that's good. But at the end of the day, we want to see lives that are changed, including yours. Worship team, come. I want to give... Lord, more opportunity to change lives. Some of you are sitting here today and you're saying, man, when you were talking about that valley of dry bones, you talking about me. <laughs> I got bones, but they're dry. Man, in this area of my life, you, you could name it, but whatever it is, in this area of my life, there, there's, there's lack. And because there's lack, then I'm dry. As Doris was talking, you may be carrying a label around your neck that you need to get rid of. Some of you remember some time ago I did a message when Jacob wrestled with God. And God said to Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob said, my name is Deceiver. Because that's what Jacob means. And God said, well, you're not going to be a deceiver anymore. You're going to be a prince from now on. Remove the tag of deceiver. And whatever tag you're carrying, whatever label you've got around your neck, remove that today. I'm sure that I know for a fact there's people here that need God to touch them in their bodies. And so whatever that may be, as the worship team plays and sings, I pray that you respond to what his voice is saying to your heart to his spirit I pray that you respond and let God do you know, sometimes you need to take a step sometimes 
You say, well, do I have to go up front for God to do something for me? Absolutely not. Most of the time. But sometimes we have to move our feet in obedience. I was reminded this week that the guy in Acts 3, the lame guy, he was not healed until Peter pulled him up. He was not healed while he was sitting on the ground. But when Peter pulled him up off the ground, the Bible says then and only then were his ankles strengthened. Sometimes you got to make a move and give God an opportunity to act on your behalf. So now it's up to you. I've did my. I've done what I've come to do. I think you respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and sing with the worship team. Spirit of the living God fall fresh on me Spirit of the living God fall fresh on me Break me Fresh on 